This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to our last half hour of the show today, Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, your host today. We are in the Fargo studios, and Therese is producing. Thanks again, Therese. We appreciate it. You betcha. I saw Brad, our engineer, walking by, too, and people are actually starting to come in. That's just is awesome to see. There's life here. Yeah, that's great. I'd like to thank Mary Talkey, uh, last half hour, talking about her windows of beauty. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, God works in our lives in a very unique way, right? In a way that's unique and special to us. And we're very grateful for her sharing uh, her windows of beauty with us. And now I'd like to welcome Cameo Anders to the program from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Welcome, Cameo. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for being on. You have quite uh, quite a list of education and service, and you're a, you're a busy mom, too. So, Again, you're juggling a lot of balls in the air, so we appreciate your attention to all that. But before we get into the actual issues of protecting the most vulnerable among us, which is very important, give our listeners a little background about you and your family and your work. Sure. So, yeah, I'm a mom of four kids. I stay at home with them, and then I also have a law practice where I... I'm an attorney. I do end-of-life planning, estate planning, also business, real estate. So a lot of wills, powers of attorney for health care, which I think we'll get into a little bit more as we move on. Um, then I went back to school, got a master's in theology with a certificate in bioethics from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. So I really love the interplay of law, bioethics, and Catholic teaching. Um, Yes. How is that for quick background? No, that's great. And, and it's so important in this day and age. I mean, as you know, I mean, obviously, technology is rapidly outstripping our morality, if I can say that, at least our our acceptance, understanding, and willingness to. And what I see happening is now in this day and age, uh, the decisions that people make with the technology and, and the things that we have really have a huge, huge ability to either profoundly positively or negatively affect not just individual people, but our culture as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, And with each increase in technology, we have a duty to sort of update our morality or our understanding of how it applies to that technology. So, yeah, (laughs) we're always learning. So true. And, you know, technology itself isn't good or bad. And, of course, the church supports, as you know, the proper use of technology that is at the service of the human person for their betterment, right, and the betterment of culture. But it's so easy, especially in this day and age where we have, the truth has been clouded for us to, uh, you know, for us to use it inappropriately and for society to just accept it as, oh, this is just the way it is. What are your thoughts on that, Cameo? Yeah, that's, I, I would agree with you. I think especially when we look at those end-of-life issues or the, you know, the most vulnerable populations um, are elderly being one of them, you know, and there's so much technology to keep life going. And, and some of that, like you said, it, it can be good. But then at the same time, it makes those decisions of, you know, when do we allow that natural death to come so they can pass into that eternal life, which is really our end goal. So technology does step in and, and make those decisions more difficult, I think. So 
so true. A talk with Camio Anders, who's an attorney, has uh, multiple degrees, is especially interested in life issues. We're talking especially about end-of-life issues today. Tell us a little bit more about, because you, you touched on it, Cameo, about the intersection of law, bioethics, uh, church teaching, the human person. Uh, how did you first get started in that? And tell us maybe a, a couple of instances where it has really uh, hit, hit the forefront of you, a great example or two that in your life. Sure. So, you know, in law school, uh, a couple of friends of mine and I got together and started a bioethics club, which was kind of the beginning of my interest in this. Um, from there, it just sort of progressed, and Providence definitely stepped in. You know, if I look back, I can see God pulling strings here and there. Um, one of the big strings was I had attended a conference at our um, cathedral here in Sioux Falls and ended up you know, meeting a woman who I'll call her my mentor now, but just sort of she propelled me along this path of, um, you know, joining one of the hospital ethics committees and also sitting on an IRB board, an institutional review board for human research. Um, and so now I'm little by little and sort of as God has placed things in my path, I have done some teaching with our medical school. Um, so I couldn't say exactly... You know, this was the point that it started, but as as life went along, it seems that that's um, you know that's where I ended up. Which I was I was excited to sort of take on all of these new opportunities as they came to me. So true. Talking with Cameo Anders here about uh, especially end of life issues. Uh, Cameo, I'm I'm curious. You know, talk about a mentor. We we all need the mentors, and I, I think that's wonderful. Um, and you talk about being on the hospital board. What what is the current what has been your experience, I guess, of with, so we say hospital boards, IRB boards. That in other words, are most of our hospitals staying true to the real dignity of the human person? Or is there a big push, for instance, since we're talking about end-of-life issues, for people to be able to choose, you know, euthanasia? What, where do you see uh, things happening right now? What, where's the, where are we at with that? Yeah, that's a great question. So from my perspective, our our Catholic hospital system does a great job um, being visibly Catholic. And I think that um, I think that that's, you know, if you think of a hospital system, really, it's a big corporation, it's a big business. So it's a struggle with any business to set a culture and then have everyone adhere to that culture, especially within Catholic healthcare. I think it's difficult to set the uh, culture of, of Catholic teaching and the sanctity of life, and then incorporate everyone into that culture and sort of keep them there. Um, so from what I see, I, I think that our system does a great job. Does that mean that there's, you know, it's 100% Catholic and everyone's on board? I, I don't think so. I'm sure that you know, people have experiences in the hospital system where they say, oh, this happened and that's so against Catholic teaching. Um, you know, if, if you do have that experience, bring it to the ethics committee um, because there are people in place to oversee the mission of Catholic teaching. And a lot of times those things may miss their, um, you know, sort of daily rounding. Um with that said, in our culture in general, you mentioned euthanasia and assisted suicide, and those are such a um, big issues to talk about. 
But I find that the root of them is often that compassion for the suffering. And Catholic Church has such a um, a wonderful teaching on the meaning of human suffering, but then also um, an allowance for relieving that suffering. And so if, if we could understand that, if we could understand the meaning of suffering and that Church teaching is compassionate to those who are suffering and do allow, you know, um, pain medication, even though sometimes that does hasten death, as long as we're not intending that, all of that is within Catholic teaching. Um, if, if that was more understood, I think the push for euthanasia and assisted suicide would maybe step back a bit. So true. We're talking with Cameo Anders about end-of-life issues. You hit on so, a couple of very important points. Here. My, my mom actually is, you know, nearing the end of life. We're dealing with some of these things, in it. and it's so important that you know people understand, as you mentioned, this whole principle of double effect that, you know, because people think, okay, compassion, what, what does compassion mean? Suffer with, right? Compassio. We're suffering with them. We're not eliminating their suffering by ending their life. But of course, we're giving them appropriate pain medication. So I think that directive says three things, right? We, we give them loving care, right? And appropriate pain medication and the resources they need to, 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 to have a, you know, a, a good end of life. That is true compassion, walking with them, suffering with them, not encouraging them to and take their own life. Right, yeah, well said. And there's a beautiful letter that came out in September from the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, um, Maritanus Bonus. Oh, yes. So if any of our listeners haven't read that, I would highly encourage it. One thing that it, it adds to what you just said is um, the effective intimacy of remaining at the bedside. There's such a, um, a usefulness to just remaining with the person. And I think sometimes we feel so powerless to do anything when we just are at the bedside of a loved one. But this letter... Um, sort of turns that on its head and says, remember our Mother Mary and the disciples, and they remained at the foot of the cross while Jesus passed away. Um, and it, it actually says, they through that, it allowed God-made man to live the hours that seemed meaningless. So by remaining with our loved ones at the end of life, it allows them to pass through some of that suffering, even though we might feel useless. You know, that, that, that's such a good point, um, Cameo, because I'm, I'm just thinking as you're talking, thinking about what, with, what doing with, with my mom. And, you know, certainly, I, I mean, I, I help her eat and, and those kind of things. She doesn't get out of bed anymore. Uh, but the times that I can tell that I'm connecting with the most is when I just get kneel down to get on her level so she can see me, just hold her hand, and we don't have to say anything. You're absolutely right. That ministry of presence, as my wife calls it, is, is so powerful, so important. And you hit the nail on the head. Gives purpose and meaning to them as they go through this. We're accompanying them. And I think some people, as you said, they're uncomfortable because, well, I got to say something. I got to do something. This is America, right? We're uncomfortable with silence. But my goodness, it can really be the best thing to do it sometimes, can't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful example. So I, I think um, any other end-of-life issues that, that you want to touch on, uh, Cameo? I mean, you, you did a good job, you know, the, um, uh, talking about that. And, and thank you for bringing up that document, too. That, that's wonderful. Um, any, any other end-of-life issues that you think are important to touch on? Um, yeah. The, one of the questions that I often get is, you know, my loved one's in the hospital. They have all of these. Um, they have a ventilator. They have 
artificial nutrition and hydration, can I remove that? Or at what point, you know, can I? Am, is that a, you know, wrong thing to do? Am I causing their death? And I, I think that that causes a lot of moral distress for people. Um, so if, if I could just say, you know, divide end-of-life treatment into two, you know, two buckets. Mm-hmm. Um, one bucket is going to be the artificial nutrition and hydration, and the other bucket is going to be kind of everything else. And when we think of, you know, at what point is it okay to remove these treatments, um, the one bucket that is sort of the everything else is, you know, once it's more burdensome than beneficial. So with a ventilator, if, you know, if it's causing infection, I mean, a corrugated tube down the throat is is burdensome. So if that person is in the dying process, if they're not likely to be weaned from the ventilator, um, you know, if it becomes sort of an unproportionate means of just keeping the person breathing, um, you know, ask yourself, well, is that respiratory system still working? If the answer is no, then that's not causing the death of the person. Um, so I think that that's important to know. But then the other bucket which we look at is the artificial nutrition and hydration, and our church treats that as more of a care that's always expected because it's a comfort care. We we should always feed and hydrate someone because if we don't, then probably the most immediate cause of death would be starvation. So we treat that with a bit more um, necessity, if that's a word I could use, Um, but even that, when you are reaching the end of life, you know, if that person's digestive system is working, then we should be feeding them. If it's not working, if it's shutting down, if death is imminent, then, you know, sometimes continuing to pump in hydration um, isn't beneficial. So we do that burden-benefit analysis And it's a hard analysis to do. So definitely seek counsel, seek someone who is knowledgeable about church teaching, um, and just, you know, seek guidance when you find yourself in that space, because it's such a difficult decision to make. So true, Cammie, and well put. Yes, so ordinary care, we would say the hydration and food, but if it's unable to be assimilated, as you mentioned, then it becomes extraordinary care and not necessary. But as you mentioned, finally nuance, get someone that can help and knows this. When we come back after our break, we're going to talk with Cameo about some things you can do to prepare for these things in your life and your loved ones' lives. You're listening to Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. 
SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. If you have ever been through the hell of deep darkness and suffering, like the suicide of a loved one, do you know that your experience may be helpful to someone else? I'm Father Chris Alar. Mercy is defined as a particular mode of love that when love encounters suffering, it does something about it. And when you exercise the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, you are truly loving your neighbor. Jesus said, when a soul approaches me with trust, I fill it with an abundance of graces that it cannot contain it within itself, but radiates them to other souls. Let us show you how to be that radiator and find healing for yourself in the process. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. To our last segment, my name is Tim Mosey, your host here on Real Presence Live. We're talking with Cameo Anders about end-of-life issues. We've discussed things like euthanasia-assisted suicide and proper hydration and food and medication. And now, Cameo, let's talk with our listeners a little bit about what can they do to prepare for this? Because, you know, being a lawyer, it can, it's a legal nightmare. What are some things you would uh, encourage them to do to get prepared for this? Yeah, great question. I think it is it is a bit of a nightmare because there's so many sort of documents and forms out there to, you know, how do I really solidify what I would like um, at end of life? So I'm going to specifically talk about a healthcare power of attorney document. This is the one that actually appoints someone to make a decision for you. It appoints, you know, an agent or a proxy or that decision maker. So I can say... I want my spouse to make these decisions, or I want my, you know, um, son or daughter or whomever, and I specifically name that person, and then that gives them the legal power to step in if, you know, if a person um, loses the mental capacity to make their own decisions, this document springs into action. But the great thing is it springs back out of action if you regain capacity. Um, so it's, it's such a useful tool to have. So I would recommend that everyone has a healthcare power of attorney, which names um, someone to make decisions for you. With that, then you should be thinking, who do I want to make my decisions? And you put that name in. But then the next part is you need to have conversation with that person and sort of, you know, let them know your wishes, your desires, your beliefs. Let them know that you want to follow church teaching. You know, let them know that you want to be around for, you know, your first grandchild or just all of those sort of um, life goals that you have, definitely communicate those with that person. Um, Just, you know, quickly, there's other documents like a living will that 
sometimes people will want to create alongside the power of attorney. But in the living will, you're making decisions for a medical treatment that you may or may not need in the future or making decisions to refuse a medical treatment that you may or may not need in the future. So I think it's it's difficult to have a really good informed consent decision with the living will. Um, yeah, so my preference is just to create that that power of attorney. And that, that makes such great sense, Camille. And actually, I have a, I have a, a true story to, to share about that. Uh, I know of this, this family who... Um, uh, the son has power of attorney for his mom, and, and she's aging. And she went into a, a home, assisted living home, that, that can do end-of-life care as well. Gosh, a, f- a few months ago now. And um, the the people there, I think she was on hospice, I think. But anyway, the bottom line was they wanted to start administering morphine. And and the son asked a great question. He says, is she in pain? <laughs> and she wasn't. And, and, and he asked her, and, and, and the nurse said, no, I guess she's not in pain. So I, I guess, it's, so what happens? She's still alive today. They thought she was transitioning and, and she would be, you know, she would pass away, gosh, within a week or two. And here she is a couple months later, doesn't get out of bed, but still is talking and, you know, eating and all these kind of things. And so, as you mentioned, if you go back to that living will, well, you know, maybe the morphine would have been administered. And, and sometimes, as you said, but if there's no pain, we don't need it, right? And so having someone who can assess the issue and the situation in real time, right, and who also knows your wishes and is true to Catholic teaching, I can see. Is that what you're getting at? That's why it's so important to have someone like this? Yeah, exactly. And they can advocate on your behalf, and they have the legal authority to do so. So that's a great example of why that power of attorney document is so necessary. Makes sense. We got about two minutes left, uh, Cameo. Any, what else would you like our listeners to know in, in two minutes? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> Pick one thing. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, if you haven't read that document that I mentioned, the uh, Samaritanus Bonus, um, it's beautiful. It's such a great overview of end-of-life issues, and it does a, a really great job recapping a lot of different issues that probably have come up in your life or will. So first, read that. And second, um, you know, just remembering the, the beauty of that unrepeatable person. You know, there's such a wonder in each one of us. And so to really cherish that, especially at end of life, um, our culture wants us to overlook the vulnerable, but to really see them with our, you know, a gaze of, of compassion and love and just remain with them as Mary did at the foot of the cross. And, that, and that's such a great image. I, I love that image that you brought, you know, Mary and John staying with Jesus at the cross and, and giving meaning to his, the end of his life. Such a great image. I'm going to take that image with me uh, as we go on. Um, so th- this is wonderful. I, and I, I appreciate you being on. Uh, the end of life issues, so, so important. Um, so again, just to recap, power of attorney. That's where you suggest people get a good, a good power of attorney healthcare proxy, right? Yep, that would be my free legal advice for you today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Don't send me a bill. Okay, no, that, that's awesome. I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Cameo, we appreciate you being on. And like, obviously, a busy life. You have family. You have, you have children. But we appreciate your dedication to uh, to all these things, uh, your marriage, your family, and your work as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, and thank you so much for ha- for having me on. Absolutely. That's Cameo Anders. 
from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, talking about end-of-life issues, so important, especially in this day and age when we're just ready to, shall we say, throw people away, when they get to be too burdensome, too costly, or we think they're in too much pain. So, thanks again, Camille. Appreciate it. All right. Well, Therese, there we go. Two hours. You yeah. stuck with me. Thanks. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so good. Um, that's awesome. So tell us uh, what is coming up now on some of our upcoming shows. Yep. So the next Real Presence Live is on Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. And Father Paul Rutten and Heather Caro are your hosts. Coming to you live from St. Mary's Church in Sioux Falls. Karen Gibus will share her remarkable experience in the in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And Earl Markley will be on to discuss how we know the Eucharist is really Jesus. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live, and that's tomorrow from 9 to 11. That sounds awesome. Heather's getting in on that, because she, she hosts every once in a while, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. awesome to see her do that. That's great. And, and you, you're you're producing here a lot of, a lot of the time now? Um, about two days a week. This okay. week's a little different because of Duluth banquets, but... Exactly. Well, certainly appreciate all you do. That that's great. Thank you. And were you able to go down and, and see Gregory? Did, did you have to tell yes. us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, early February, I flew down with my brother and sister to um, the Florida area, and we got to spend the weekend with um, my brother Gregory, who's at um, a base there doing his training for um, the Air Guard. And I can't tell you exactly what his position or his title is because okay. it's long. <laughs> okay. But it has something to do with cybersecurity, yes. if I remember yep. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Computers and yep. security. Yeah. Yep. So, so important in this day and age. That's yes. awesome. Well, good. Thanks for going down there and accompanying him. See, I'm sure seeing mm-hmm. his twin sister just mm-hmm. lit up his mm-hmm. life and said, thank you for I coming. So. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it did. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's just a great example. We talk about doing practical things and just being present with our family and friends is, is amazing. So... Well, I'd like to thank all our guests for today, Father Shannon Bouquet, of course, Human Life International, Mary Talkey, and Cameo Anders. And if you get some time, read through 1 Corinthians 13. Pray over it. I've done it many times, and every time I do, God reveals something more to me. I've got a long way to go, but it is so great how he reveals it. So, take care. God bless you. Until next time, this is Tim Moser saying, keep the faith. God bless you. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.